0: Welcome to One Does Not Simply, where three friends take on the Lord of the Rings and go on some unexpected journeys. I'm Wanda. I'm Navia. And I'm Ishani. This is episode forty. One does not simply mount doom.
1: Wait, wait, wait. As this always, is not episode forty. Hold on. Yeah, it is. Isn't
2: it? I thought we've Did already we recorded episode, episode
1: 40? forty. Wait, really? Please hold. Okay, you're right. You're right. You're right. Sorry, sorry for that. Uh. All
0: right. This is episode 40, One Does Not Simply Mount Doom. As always, there will be spoilers for the entire Tolkienverse ahead. With that said, let's get into it.
1: What is up, team? <laughs> we are... <laughs> doom. Strong start. Yeah, <laughs> We are slogging through this week the way that Frodo and Sam slogged their way to Mordor. <laughs> but with more food and water. Yeah. Um,
2: Although, to be fair, it's not clear how much food and water Sam and Frodo have.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they might be like, oh, no, we're on our last dregs. And what they mean is, like, we have eight pounds of lembas.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, I guess let me start with a little chapter summary and then we can talk yeah, about sorry, the sorry, questionable amount of <laughs> but, um Yeah, so in these chapters, which are chapters three and four of the final book of Return of the King slash the final book of the series, um, this is it. This is the chapter where the whole thing goes down. Uh, it's called Mount Doom. Spoiler alert, they go to Mount Doom. And... <laughs> And uh, eventually the ring is destroyed. Um, so we spent like the first like 75% of the chapter uh, with just Frodo and Sam walking some more. It feels a lot like the chapters we just read um, where they are walking through more landscape of Mordor. Uh, everything is still really difficult. Um, they are still running out of food and water. And... This is, I think, the major difference here is that this is the first time we see Sam also start to lose hope a little bit. Um, he has some moments where he is also doubting that they're going to make it or, more importantly to him, that they're going to make it home. And um, Frodo has just given up entirely and he's basically just like crawling his way <laughs> to, to Mount Doom uh, because he doesn't know what else to do. And then we basically get a moment where Gollum makes his grand re-entrance and uh, he tries to take the ring from Frodo. Frodo wrestles him off and like somehow makes it to the entrance to Mount Doom, um, at which point Sam finds him there and the ring is now his. Um, It has claimed him. He is the ring's... um, And so he basically decides not to destroy it. He puts the ring on. Sauron immediately knows that he is there. Um, Every, like the entirety of the Mordor army starts coming towards him, I guess. And um, at that moment, Gollum again makes another reappearance. And, you know, everyone knows what happens here, right? He bites the ring off of Frodo's finger and then he falls into Mount Doom. (laughs) Um, In, like, the span of three sentences, too. The pacing of this chapter was bizarre. Um, Then we get chapter four, where the eagles come. um, We basically swap back to the point of view of the army that's standing outside Mordor um, with Aragorn and Gandalf and Pippin and all the rest of them. And um, they basically are fighting. The eagles appear, and at that moment... They realize that the ring has been destroyed because, I I don't know, I guess they just see like the, the Mordor armies start panicking and running. Um, I think there's also like a vision
0: of the tower collapsing.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, okay.
0: Like a collective mass hallucination or something.
1: <laughs> yeah, and so then they're like, they start celebrating, they're like, yeah, Frodo did it. Um, and then Gandalf basically sinks with the eagles real quick and they go pick up Frodo and Sam and they... Sam wakes up in uh, a nice clean bed um, and Gandalf is there and he's like, oh, you're alive uh, because they didn't know that. (laughs) And and Frodo has already been awake for a little bit and basically the rest of the chapter is, one, a big celebration of their accomplishment and then two, just a huge exposition dump of basically everything that has happened to every character as they tell each other what's happened. Um, It's like
2: an exposition dump that's referred to. They're yeah to each other without
1: us really right. having to listen to any of it exactly but then we still have to hear about how they said it <laughs> uh anyway so that's that chapter um yeah so i mean let's start with with the beginning part where sam is having his like moments of doubt and firstly let's address the lembus in the room where we we already referred to it okay so I was under the impression that, like, two chapters ago, back when Frodo was captured, the orcs, like, trampled all over the Lembus bread, and all they were able to collect was, like, some tiny pieces. And at this point, I assume they were down to crumbs. And then the chapter starts with Sam giving Frodo a whole wafer of Lempus bread. And now I'm convinced that Tolkien does not track these details.
2: (laughs) No, it's definitely not tracked. Or Lembus just multiplies as it gets... Less and less or something like that. (laughs) It's just spawning
1: more Lembis.
0: Lembis is like the pantry staple where you're like, I can't find this. And so you go to the grocery store to buy more. And then when you come back, you're like, fuck, I had a whole thing of peanut butter. Right. (laughs) And like, that's got to be right. Like they found some like Sam had some in his pack or something where they didn't realize they had it. And then they were desperate. And like, as Sam is flinging his cookware into the depths of the earth he Which... finds some more lembas
1: i know that was supposed to be like a powerful moment where sam is like letting go of the last vestiges of what he was bringing with him uh but i i just want to know like they've been eating only lembas for at least a couple of weeks now why were you still lugging this around <laughs>
0: Because that shit is expensive. Have you ever looked at the prices <laughs> on, like, a good cast iron pan? <laughs> oh, my God. I hope he wasn't lugging around cast
1: iron. Those <laughs> things are heavy. <laughs> we also, like, there's just so much about them being thirsty in this chapter. And I was like, I got it. They're, they don't have any water. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway.
2: But, I mean, did I mean get, that... Did you guys get bored? Oh, I, I felt like the whole thing was, like, even though it was really grim it was pretty diverse and didn't like take
1: too long to get I, to i'm glad moment. you asked that because i actually did kind of get bored in this chapter i oh. there was a point where i was just like i'm gonna start skimming this because i kind of know like how they feel already we've read about it for two chapters now
0: no see i didn't get bored and i'm curious now i'm curious wanda where you landed on this i actually kind of had the same reaction I had when Gollum got mentioned last chapter or two chapters ago, where I was like, no, I'm actually really enjoying this whole dynamic between Frodo and Sam, and then Sam and his own self-doubt. Like, that to me was really interesting. And this whole thing about, like, Frodo feels a lot of despair, and Frodo's reaction is basically just to be like, well, we're definitely gonna die, but I guess we have to keep going. And Sam is really actively, like, no, I don't have a lot of hope, but I don't like that. And I want to change it. And I still want to get back home. And, like, you know, anybody who's ever been to therapy will be like, hmm, that seems like you've been, like, good therapy skills, good, like, mental health practices to talk back against those really negative, helpless, hopeless thoughts. Right. And that's one of those things, right? Like, yeah, I I felt sort Sam of the same does. way.
2: Like it, that Sam was just Sam's, Sam is having this dialogue with himself, and it feels like the if you see like his hope triumphing over his despair, it's like they stop. It stops even looking like hope. It just becomes this like sheer like I don't know something something else, and it it felt very. I don't want to say relatable but yeah like it did, it did kind of feel relatable and like it um that that part felt very profound like this um like seeing what sam relies on when he sees that frodo has no more hope and you know just there's nothing else really to uh to go on in general so i like that part the landscape part is- was admittedly pretty bleak and
1: not all that interesting <laughs> sam is like basically one of those mystery mentally healthy people that i hear about (laughs) but i've never met
0: (laughs) (laughs) sounds fake but (laughs) Uh, no but i mean it's i think what you said wanda about it being really relatable because the thing i really resonated with he says i'll get there if i leave everything but my bones behind and i'll carry mr frodo up myself if it breaks my back and heart and i just sat there and i went like yeah that actually feels really familiar right that feeling of like I don't have anything left, but the spite that this is not going to be the thing that breaks me. And, like, fuck you. It's not going to be the thing that breaks me. I'm going to do this anyways. Yeah. And Sam's not normally a super angry character. We see it a little bit when Gollum shows up. But, like, yeah, that really, that hit.
1: Yeah. Also, I mean, their relationship is, like, only growing stronger by chapter. (laughs) I mean, there's... First of all, like, they're basically holding hands through the entirety of this chapter. Oh and then yes. we get the iconic moment where Sam decides to carry Frodo because he can't carry the ring for him. Which, yes, I know we realize that Mount Doom is not actually a full-on mountain <laughs> in this chapter, but it was still really sweet. <laughs> and then oh, there's, like, this beautiful moment at the end uh, where they're like holding hands while everything collapses around them and they're like together and it says here at the end of all things and it's like right what, in what the else can anyone hope for but to be with someone yeah. they love here at the end of all things
2: yeah uh, very true it feels like sam really rises to the occasion as frodo gets weaker uh it's almost like sam discovers wellsprings of strength that were not there before Which kind of makes you wonder why Frodo comes out of the whole thing needing to go to the Grey Havens and Sam does not. Again, to
1: each his own. I mean, I think like one of the things that I saw in this chapter is like Frodo has moments that are bursts of strength, but they're all fueled by the Ring and by despair. Like he has the moment where Sam says, "I can carry the Ring," and he has this like outburst, and then he has the moment where he's like wrestling Gollum off of him. And both of those seem to come out of nowhere, but also, like, they're not fueled by any kind of hope or positivity. It's just sheer, like, the ring is mine. Um, And it makes me wonder, like, how much of Frodo is even, like, left in there, you know?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: There's also kind of this piece of, like, I mean, in some ways, Sam does the thing that we don't, like repeatedly, over and over again, Sam does the thing that we have been told is the hardest thing for any character to do in this series, which is that Sam gives up the ring, having had it in his possession. He gives up the opportunity to take it. He doesn't fight Frodo when he says, like, I could take it for you for a little while. And Frodo's like, no, Sam doesn't fight him on it. Sam's like, okay, that's fine. And Sam has already held the ring for a while, and he still says, "No, that's fine. You keep it."
1: Yeah, I mean, in Which... fairness, he hasn't like had the time to be as corrupted by Fro- by it, as Frodo has. Like, I feel like early on, if Frodo had been asked, "Hey, can I carry the ring for a while?" like he, it would have been a little easier for him.
0: Well, but I'm even thinking about, like, Boromir and Gandalf and Aragorn are all basically, like, it's presented as this big moment when Gandalf is like, I won't take the ring because that's dangerous. And Aragorn is like, I won't take the ring because that's dangerous. Mm -hmm. And Boromir, right, never even gets his hands on the thing and is still influenced by it. And here's Sam who's carried it,
2: giving it up. Right. Yeah. I mean, if anything, I think what what Sam's... I forgot what I was gonna say, but I was gonna say like <laughs> earlier that uh, Sam seems to come out of the that that period of holding the ring or carrying the ring really just feeling sorry for other people that have to carry it, and it seems to motivate uh, the fact that he doesn't kill Gollum when he has the chance to in this chapter.
1: Ooh, let's talk about this moment. Um, this was like I I completely forgot that this ever happened. <laughs> Uh, yeah too. me too yeah but what i firstly i just wanted to reiterate something that i've said in the past but say it again i genuinely think that tolkien intended sam to be the hero of this story like this chapter convinced me beyond all chapters i was like he's doing all the work here uh <laughs> but also um this moment so listeners for context if you haven't been you know reading as closely with us uh, there is actually a moment where Sam has a chance to kill Gollum and he you know he has been thinking about doing this for so long now he's hated Gollum every moment of this trip and Gollum is there in front of him he has you know essentially Frodo's blessing to do so and he takes out the sword and then he looks at Gollum and he sees how pitiful he is and he has a moment where he's like Now that I've carried the ring, I know what it does to people. And he decides to spare him. And obviously, that choice is what ultimately comes back with Gollum taking the ring from Frodo and falling into Mount Doom. But man, this moment of like Tolkien choosing for everything that happens, happening because people were spared versus like any, you know, action that was taken. Uh, any like concrete like oh, this person you know killed someone or this person like decided to go into battle like these moments are the ones where it's like they decided not to do something, and that's the thing that makes it meaningful,
2: yeah, yeah, I mean, it definitely lends more of a religious vibe to the entire thing, right that the the like the lesson you know being that y- you have to have faith that. You know, God will take care of it, or some some higher power will take care of things, um, because, like that's the only that's the only way that things can. You kind of have to give up control, and God will kill Gollum. You don't have to.
1: I'm so glad we have you on this podcast because I know like people talk about this series as being fairly religious, but maybe it's just because I didn't grow up christian or anything like that but i always just like miss all of this and then when you say it i'm like oh that's so obvious <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah no i mean yeah maybe it's just that i've been thinking about that stuff recently but yeah it does no i like... think
1: you're spot on <laughs> like yeah now that you say it i mean like and mercy is a very common theme in religion right mm-hmm. right
2: right and and like the trying to trying to um, eschew hubris. eschew But it seems like for Sam, the choice not to kill Gollum is sort of an obvious one. It's like, all else being equal, Sam is not a killer. um, And he needs just, like, the slightest reason not to kill Gollum to overcome all of the other reasons to kill Gollum that he has, including that Frodo has just said, go kill Gollum.
0: Yeah. I mean, and I think there's something there about, like, the decision you want to make isn't always the decision that you can kind of bring yourself to live with and it really feels like here i mean gosh i i started laughing as like quietly to myself because i thought of that when i think of that stinker i get so hot i could shout um from a couple chapters ago which still just phenomenal writing a plus 10 out of 10 but like we know that sam does not like Gollum. we know that sam really thinks that, like, killing Gollum would probably solve some difficulties that they have had. But like you said, Wanda, at the end of the day, he's not a killer. And I don't think he can bring himself to become one, like, or to become the kind of person who would Mm -hmm. kill someone who's not armed, who's not fighting back, like.
1: But I think he would have done it if he had thought that it would protect Frodo in some way. Like. If this had been a moment where Gollum was like, I don't know, coming after yeah, Frodo. Yeah, I mean, like if Gollum was
0: like actively attacking Frodo, yeah. I think Sam
2: might
1: but, have made a different choice, but. Yeah, I mean, we saw Sam like kill some orcs, right? Sure in order to get to Frodo. Uh, I, I mean, kind of. Uh, he threw one down the, the stairs. But...
0: Yeah, and then that dude just, like, broke his neck. So I don't yeah. know. Like, it was a manslaughter charge, I would say.
2: <laughs> More evidence than Sam per- is the main character, that he's so, like, gentle and it, it keeps all of his... I don't know, Navi, I want to hear what, why you think Sam's the main character, but I feel like the fact that he's always... he His motivations remain pretty constant is um, makes a good case for him being the main character. You never really, when Sam is, when Sam is the narrator, you you kind of feel like this is the same Sam that we've had the entire time.
1: Yeah. But I do, I mean, I, I, I agree with you that he like remains the same like person at his core, but we also have seen growth in him. He does have a character arc, which is important. I guess the reason that I see him as the hero, at least of, of this group, is that he's the one who's actively making choices here. Um, mm-hmm. Like, Frodo hasn't really done anything in a while other than just, like, continue to walk because Sam tells him to. Um, and so he's the one whose choices have meaning at this point, um, in my opinion. Uh, and this yeah. this choice, obviously, is a big one. No, I think that's, like, so important though the idea of like what you are what you think you would do when faced with something versus like what you're actually capable of doing
2: no there's plenty of choices like that that i feel like i've come up on in my life like things where like i'm like i genuinely really want to do this like and yet like for whatever reason you're like it and like that's like your values right that's um which is you know why sam is like Depicted as this hobbit, like, carrying salt. It's like your your salt is the thing that, like, interferes with you making those, making those choices that you don't really want to make.
0: I mean, it's hard not to really like... I mean, regardless of whether or not you like the walking, because I think it's perfectly valid to be like, there's too much fucking geography in these chapters, and I'm sick of it. But, I mean, it's really hard for me... To wrap my head around the idea that, like, Sam as a character feels so rich, like, so much a person that I feel like if I walked away and somebody said, like, well, what do you think Sam would do in this situation? I'm like, I can tell you because Sam feels like a person and Sam feels like a person with values, right? Like, I could tell you what Sam's values are and I could tell you how I think Sam would respond in a certain situation. And then we get to this, like, wrap-up chapter, and they, like, reunite with Aragorn. And I know, like, I've been grumpy about Aragorn for six whole books at this point, but part of it is also, I still don't know what the fuck his... Like, who is he as a person? Does he have values? Because if he does, I don't know what they are. Like... I, I, I right? found and him the contrast most
1: likable, though, in this chapter. Yes.
0: Yeah, but, like, the contrast between how well Tolkien writes The Hobbits, and then, like, also my favorite bureaucratic orcs, and then, like, some of the other—I mean, let's be honest, Legolas is a delight every time he shows up because he's just such a, like, doofus, but he doesn't have a whole lot of personality.
2: Right. Yeah, it, it's sort of like, you know, you could draw a parallel between how— how strong Sam's character is, you know, maybe even compared to Frodo and then like how strong Faramir's character is compared to Aragorn, right? Like in both cases, you have these characters that are like, uh, they're second in command or they're stewards in some way. And that's like where Tolkien seems to be really comfortable. Like, he's like, I'm going to write, I'm going to flesh this character out really well. And then the character that's like in charge, he's
1: like, ah, like, it's just, it's just the king. what, Do you think it's because, yeah. like, he was never in charge in that way? I don't really know what his position was in the army, but, like, maybe he has more experience with, like, mm. you know, following orders versus giving them or something. Right.
0: I kind of wonder if it's also about, like, the the point at which Frodo or Aragorn is more about the archetype than the actual person Right? It's like here's the self sacrificing hero in Frodo and here's the like the lost king returned in Aragorn and they're basically Frodo a little less so because I think there are maybe fewer templates for Frodo's character than there are for Aragorn's so many fucking lost kings coming back. Like left, right, and center, there's He's just so lost kings humble. everywhere you turn. <laughs> yeah. You <know>, right. Like... <laughs> So I kind of wonder if that's maybe part, but there aren't necessarily as many, like the sort of second in command character I'm thinking about, like Arthuriana and someone like Lancelot or any of the other knights who, for the most part, all ultimately end up having flaws too, like pretty critical ones that screw them over. And Sam is flawed, but Sam is flawed in a way that feels human and also doesn't lead to world-ending catastrophe so maybe he had to kind of step
1: away there it kind of reminds me also of like what people say about you know like the um the main character in twilight where it's just like a a shell for the reader to insert themselves into and that's why there's no real like personality there (laughs) um yeah and it kind of makes me think that like like tolkien like didn't really have any person in mind when writing Aragorn whereas like he might have known a Sam you know right or he might well, have been is, Sam, you can well, really see
2: Frodo as the Bella Swan of this series <laughs> yeah, yeah no I <laughs> think right, Aragorn guys, that's our is hot the take
0: <laughs> Frodo can be the Alice <laughs> <laughs> manic pixie dream
1: hobbit <laughs> uh I do want to like quickly just go back to the thing about the pacing of this because like literally you guys if you were reading too fast, you would have missed the moment that the ring was destroyed, <laughs> which is just a wild choice. It's like two well, and it sentences. it never even says the ring was destroyed. It says
2: Gollum was gone. You yeah, you have to, you that's have to true. read pretty damn closely.
1: It's really only in the next chapter when, like, when er- uh, Gandalf is like, Frodo has done it. He has completed. First of all, he says he's completed his quest, which was like, dude, they. Come on, he saved the world, okay? We can say that. (laughs) But also, that's, like, when the gravity of what has happened, like, kind of kicks in. Whereas this moment is literally, like, a two-sentence description where it's like, oh, uh, Frodo was invisible, Gollum was on his back, and, oh, next moment, Gollum is falling.
0: I mean, even, like, from the moment Gollum shows back up again, it's like, a page, a page and a half between Gollum showing back up and then them, like, dist- I mean, that happens at the tail end of the chapter. hmm Which is just... It didn't, I mean, I'll be honest, it didn't work for me. Like, there was no dramatic tension. There was no, like, it just happened so quickly that it's like there's no feeling of resolution because here's this big theoretically climactic moment and it's over before your reader even has a chance to realize it started.
2: Hmm. I, I guess I, I felt like it did. I felt like it worked because you're still at, in Sam's point of view at that point. And compared to the alternative, which would have been to like, I guess it, I feel like the alternative would have been to step outside of Sam's POV for a little bit to describe the ring being destroyed. Um, but I also liked it because it continues in Sam's point of view afterwards and you're just kind of like, oh, this is this is how one hobbit that was there saw it happen. It So I thought that worked.
1: I, I agree with you that I think I liked it being Sam's point of view, but it just, there wasn't even enough description of what was happening for me to like really understand what was going on and this was a moment that definitely like worked better on screen than it did in text where i was like oh okay because actually we we haven't even gotten any references to the ring making you invisible in a while so when it first happened where it was like sam is describing like Gollum kind of on an invisible object it took me a second to remember that frodo had put the ring on and that's why he's invisible um but I just, I just thought it was, like, for somebody who has spent 75% of this chapter talking about, like, the geography of Mordor, like, can we get a little bit more description of, like, what is going on here in this extremely key moment? Yeah. I don't know. I guess where also, I would
0: land is... Oh, go ahead. Sorry.
1: No. I also just wanted to give a quick shout-out to Elijah Wood, because whatever you think about his casting, I do think that the way he delivers the, the line... The ring is mine. In the movies, is like fantastic.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. The movies really play down the journey across Mordor, by the way, compared to the books. Like, I feel like in the movies, it's even though like we, we always laugh about like skipping past those scenes uh, with Frodo and Sam because they suck. It it still feels like it takes about four hours for them to get from Barad or forget to get from Minas Morgul over to Mount Doom, and it takes long ass time it takes like a week or two right it's a while yeah
0: i want to go back though really quick because i think wanda something you said got me thinking and i think i kind of i would offer an alternate suggestion right for what i wish i could have seen happen here which is i think that the other solution would have been to lean more into sam's point of view because i think the thing that would have felt like it was building tension for me in that moment would have been getting Sam's, like, shock and his horror and his fear of, like, what's going to happen now that Frodo has put on the ring and, like, doesn't have the self-control and, oh, my God, now Gollum's here and, like, how am I going to save Frodo from this? And, like, that to me would have felt like the kind of tension, honestly, the kind of tension I would have wanted because you're right, like, I, I wouldn't have wanted them to leave Sam's point of view. It's such a strong point of view and I really enjoy it. But I kind of wish he had reacted more. That we had seen more of like his emotional response rather than like a blow. I, I didn't necessarily need more of like a a blow by blow of the. I hesitate to say combat. Um, but the the struggle between Frodo and Gollum. But I think we could have had more of like how Sam felt about it.
1: Yeah, I did love the moment where. Um, I think this is actually maybe in the next chapter that this happens but like Frodo is just like after everything's over they're like lying on the side of Mount Doom and Frodo's just like ah, I guess this is it Sam and Sam's like let's walk down the mountain <laughs> I love let's that let's at least start walking down the
2: mountain <laughs> because Sam is perpetually in go mode Yep.
1: and yeah. Gwaihir and Land Rover the Eagle are gonna come I also thought
2: Land Rover the Eagle <laughs>
0: We have never met before and definitely will never meet again. Land Rover, the Eagle coming in clutch. The
1: mightiest of eagles. Yeah. Uh, For reference, it's um, an Eagle named Land Roval. Yeah. In case you didn't know.
2: No, it's just, it's just straight up Land Rover.
1: Um, we've spent like most of the time talking about this first chapter. So I do want to like give a little bit to the second chapter. Uh, number one, aragorn at his most likable where he was just like everyone pay attention to these hobbits no one needs to pay attention to me (laughs) um yeah
0: and the army greets frodo and oh go ahead
2: what this the ceremony that happens when they when they meet aragorn again i thought it was going to be the coronation it's not it's some kind of like honoring frodo and sam specifically ceremony
1: yeah it seems to be like nothing to do with anyone else there and like very specifically to celebrate Frodo and Sam saving everyone. And well, also because like They, that,
0: are, like, they it's must not... know, right? Like the army calls them both the ring bearers when they greet them, which was a nice detail that I liked, but like presumably after Frodo wakes up, he tells them, like, he tells Gandalf a little bit about what happened. So I think they just basically had a party to celebrate winning the war.
1: Yeah. That, that makes sense. Um, I I didn't think it was really funny that Gandalf just, like, made them still wear their orc rags. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> he was like, I'll get you some clothes later <laughs> for
0: now. Right. I get the logic of being like, these are now historical garments and we should keep them, but making them wear them to the party is really just kind of a dick move. That like, they have be... been in these those same clothes for days well, I didn't, without bathing.
1: First of all, like, Why didn't they get them new clothes while they were asleep? Like, I wouldn't want to be sleeping in, like, a a bed in my gross clothes that I had been in for however long. Well, the worst part
0: is I think they did because I think their old clothes were, like, folded on the bed. So I think they, like, took off their old clothes, were like, here, we'll, (laughs) like, clean you up and put you in some nice night clothes, and then we're going to make you get back in the like maybe washed but presumably still really fucking ratty like clothes that you've been hiking across Mordor in they're like we need everyone to feel
1: of
2: some like complicated therapy like get get back in your trauma clothes we're gonna go
1: have a celebration for you alternatively they were like N- not everyone who's going to be at this c- celebration knows what you've been doing, so we'll just put you in costumes so that they're very clear on where you've been.
0: <laughs> I mean, there's uh, really no, like, it is very much pageantry of a kind that is kind of hilarious at this point. Right? Like, it does not feel like it is for any purpose other than Gandalf wanting to be like, we are going to be dramatic bitches
1: about this yeah and and then they like go and mary and pippin are in their respective you know knight armor or whatever that they've been given yeah. by the the kings that they <laughs> like their beautiful
0: in. uniforms yeah. it's
1: so rude that they just make these two go, like... <laughs> <laughs> uh come on gandalf you know it. yeah it must that be
2: that. weird for mary and pippin to encounter them Mary and Pippin just Right. Also, out in their... Mary and
0: Pippin like only show up at the end of the party or like midway through the party?
1: Yeah. What what was this chapter? This was bizarre.
0: Yes. Also, I'm sorry, Wanda, I cut you off. You were saying it was weird for Mary and Pippin to encounter them.
2: Oh, yeah, just like hanging out in their finery, and then they finally see Frodo and Sam, and Frodo and Sam are in basically like loincloths. <laughs>
1: They just have that, like, Gollum-style
2: loincloth. <laughs> really, that's my picture at this point. Frodo was wearing so little by the end that he had to have a cloak around him to keep going. Did he get to keep his cloak in the ceremony? Unclear. I
0: also just thought about the fact that Frodo had his finger bitten off, and so all of these clothes are definitely, like, splattered in blood. Yeah.
2: Yeah, the whole thing had the feel of, like, this is... Uh, on top of the yeah on top of everything else that that they do in the ceremony they also redo the calendar um yeah Gandalf mentions that from here on out the 25th of March is going to be the first day of the year because it was the day that the ring was destroyed so like Gandalf is who only laughs at this point doesn't really talk anymore is like trying to create a new world order slash political religion based around Frodo and Sam
1: At least that, like, creepy-ass scene from the movie where Gandalf is just, like, laughing in slow-mo is actually canon. (laughs) You know, actually, though,
0: speaking of that, what's interesting is that, because in that one, Frodo wakes up second, right? And then all of the others come in. Yeah,
1: and this Sam is the second one to wake up, and Frodo's like, yeah, I've been here. (laughs) Once again, Sam is the main character of the story. I'm sorry, <laughs> like he
2: just. Well, is. it's definitely if it, if he wasn't before, it's definitely being transferred to him right now. Maybe yeah. in anticipation of Frodo
1: piecing out. Later. Going back to like my what the fuck was this chapter take though, I actually just realized something, which is that this is the first chapter we've had in a really long time that wasn't from one of the Hobbits' point of views, and mm-hmm. I think that makes it weaker because it reminds me back in like Fellowship where we used to get these chapters where it was like I think there's too many characters here. And I don't really know what any of them are up to. And this felt exactly like that again.
0: And it means we get like weird exposition dumps because, right? Like, so we last left Pippin getting crushed by a troll. And so like at the (laughs) end of this. (laughs) Well, no, at the end of the chapter, like Gandalf looks at Pippin and is like, oh, and remember how I thought you were dead when I found your body underneath this troll? (laughs) Like it's about that awkward, right? Like so, there's clearly some pacing stuff that is,
2: yeah, a I little couldn't believe wonky. the troll thing never got resolved. Clearly, like he was saved, but
1: no, I I remember like yeah, basically Gandalf at the pulled end... his body out. Well, but at the end of the
0: oh Gimli did okay. At
1: the end of the previous book, do you guys remember how he was about to be crushed by the troll, and then there were like the eagles are coming. And that's basically oh, where we pick back up. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah. So,
0: which was also really funny, where it was like the hosts of the yeah. the hosts of mortar looked up and wondered what this sign might mean, and it's like, well, I think when everybody is shouting, the eagles are coming. It's not a sign; they're just
1: literally coming.
0: <laughs> like, blank. this is. Not an omen or a portent. It is literally just telling you there are eagles in the sky on their way here. Oh, bless.
2: Is Trollfoot in the movie? I don't
0: think so. I don't think the troll crushing happens in the movie.
1: Oh, yeah, it does. But isn't it Aragorn who's about to be crushed? Oh, maybe it is Aragorn. In the movie? Yeah, I remember like a, something about him like holding the troll's foot off of his chest. Do you guys want to do quick fire and then call it? Yeah, you should go first. Okay. Uh, mine is just this line that I really liked, and it was really, really sweet. Which, when Sam wakes up in chapter in this chapter four at the beginning, um, he's like baffled by how they've gotten there, and he's asking Gandalf, like, "Oh, okay, like, are we here now?" And I think he says this right after Gandalf. Oh, yeah, he d- he didn't know Gandalf was alive. So he thinks he's dead for a second because he's like, Oh, I'm, you know, in heaven with Gandalf or whatever. And um Gandalf is like, No no no, I'm alive, like it's me. And Sam says this line, which is, Is everything sad going to come untrue? And I was like, Oh no, Sam, my heart. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's just Sam so is the best. Innocent and sweet and uh And it kind of I love him so does. Much come on true yeah also yeah the the follow-up is just like everyone's happy and everyone's great now so anyway that was my quickest of quick fires i just really liked that line
2: there's also something definitely like christian about the how quickly and rapidly everything switches from being terrible to being good like that's some new testament shit i think that's in, in my humble opinion
1: no, I, I mean, I will defer to you on that. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're the expert here. Person that, person that grew up going to church three times a year. But, <laughs>
2: yes. Yeah,
1: which, which is more than three us, more times more than, than either of us went to church. <laughs> I've now been to church three times in my life, so.
0: <laughs>
2: I have been in a church at least three times. <laughs> and you didn't immediately absorb the magic of Christianity? all um, I know weirdly
1: all know. I know is but to I also respond. didn't burst into flames so <laughs> all I know and all I learned was that if you're if somebody says peace be with you you respond with and with your spirit <laughs> <laughs> that was the only thing I learned in church
0: which is a new thing that's what I know that's what the oh, internet yeah, no, has taught me is that
1: yeah that's the uh, the trick to catch you if you haven't been going to church in a while is that they changed right
2: it. <laughs> oh yeah according to the John Mulaney special
1: yeah. Yep. <laughs> but also, like for real, that that happened. <laughs> can confirm.
0: <laughs> Mine's goofy, so I feel bad saying it because that was a very sweet, quick fire and a very sincere one. Uh, what is this um, podcast
1: if not all over the place?
0: <laughs> yeah. No, mine was that I got to the point where they were like, "Oh yeah, Mount Doom is like forty five hundred feet in elevation gain," and I'm sorry, I nearly dropped the book <laughs> at that point. Like all this time i have had in my head like a volcano volcano right like the the pacific rim like this is a volcano and 4500 feet is i mean like look it's not flat and i couldn't carry somebody up 4500 feet of elevation gain if you paid me so I'm not detracting from Sam's accomplishment here but like are you fucking kidding me
1: <laughs> maybe it's like 4,500 feet but it's straight up
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah it's the intensity really Ashani <laughs> didn't I carry you on a hike at one point when we were kids
0: Oh, it's entirely possible that on one of our school trips at one point, I hopped on your back and you piggybacked me part of a hike.
2: <laughs> I think I I think I think sand you. That's my quick fire.
0: <laughs> do you remember, like, I, off the pod, do you remember
2: what hike, where we were? I want to say some kind of, yeah, some kind of class trip.
1: Okay. Yeah, I, the idea okay. of you guys hiking outside of a class trip <laughs> is... <laughs> That didn't happen. No, I mean, no, no. I, I hiked a lot. Wanda, you hiked a lot, Wanda yes. Hiked. But the idea of both of you hiking together outside oh, yeah. of a classroom,
2: yeah, <laughs> right, right. It, it it had to have been
1: yes, yes. But you and no, your I family, mean it must know have been a class
2: a lot trip. Of
0: stuff, but I'm just wondering which class trip.
2: Yeah, I were you did, were you on the? I feel like it was like middle school, like really early on, so. Maybe this maybe this is just a memory that I've fabricated. I just no, want to I say mean that, it's like entire... somebody I
1: carried somebody. One is like right. I just want to establish that I'm the Sam in this scenario. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm. I'm the I hero. mean,
0: I do think like it would be plausible thinking about our friend group in middle school, especially like at the time we were going on the middle school class trip. I would have been one of the easier people to carry because. I was basically just arms and legs like so, you know, it is entirely plausible that you would have picked me (laughs) up and I wouldn't have protested because I was like, yes, anybody can pick me up. A toddler could pick me like at the point when I was in middle school. Yes, like a particularly buff toddler probably could have picked me up. So so for Wanda to carry me on a hike, dear listeners, if we cut back to this part is yes, yes. She is the Sam to my Frodo, and...
1: You guys didn't say anything that needs to be cut. Like, <laughs> you didn't say, like, the name of our school or anything,
0: so... Yeah. Oh, great. So we get to leave all of that in. Yep. Perfect.
1: Especially the part about the particularly buff toddler.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to One Does Not Simply. This episode was edited by Navia. You can find us on Twitter at ODNSPod and Tumblr at One Does Not Simply pod. Special thanks to Andrew, Sneha, and all our listeners for joining us on this journey. If you like what you hear, give us a rating or a review on whatever platform you listen to.